Good morning, everybody. Good morning, River Church. I still love saying that. So I will thank you all for being here this morning. I, this week we've got the, uh, we had an incredible launch last week, so we got a little bit of a hangover this week, I think. We all felt it as we're getting up unloading stuff, but we're, we're excited to be here and we're thankful that you're here this morning. So today we're going to be in John 4 as we're starting our At the Well series. And uh, this, this story of the woman at the well is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And one of the reasons for that is because I think that it paints a, I think it paints a beautiful picture of who our God is. And I think it, it helps us to understand Him in very unique ways. And so what we're going to do this morning, this is, this is really a part one of three. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to take a look at this interaction that Jesus has with the woman at the well. And we're going to pay close attention to, to their conversation. And so what I'm basically going to do is kind of just walk through it really verse by verse and analyze the conversation that they have. And at the end of the conversation, there's going to be a couple of things that I want to talk about that I think are important for us to know and understand and really um, hopefully follow in our own lives and take those things on and learn from ourselves. All right? So let's do that. We're going to be in John chapter 4, and uh, I'm just going to start in verse 1. It says, When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went to Galilee. So he's hanging out. The Pharisees are kind of following him around. They're, uh, they don't really like Jesus at this point. And so he's leaving Judea and he's heading to Galilee, Galilee to kind of get away from him. And it says, and he had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, so he's tired. He's tired. He's been traveling. Worn out from his journey sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening, which I know that's kind of confusing. Six in the evening, that's actually like noon. All right, so it's like noon, one o'clock. So six in the evening, uh, he sits down at this well. He's thirsty. And it says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone to town to buy food. So we're going to stop right there. And what's interesting, there's already a couple of things that we need to learn and pay attention to here. First off, just the fact that Jesus is in Samaria is, is actually quite a big deal. And so the reason why is because, uh, the long story short, and we're going to actually get into a lot more of this next week, but Jews and Samaritans hate each other's guts. I mean, that's just a simple way to put it. They did not like each other at all. And there's a lot of historical reasons for this. There's a lot of religious reasons about this. They had a lot of stuff that they argued about. And there's quite simply a lot of just racism reasons why they didn't like each other. And so um, the fact that Jesus is even in Samaria is a big deal because as he's traveling from Judea to Galilee, Samaria is the shortcut, but a good upstanding Jew, which Jesus was, would have never gone through Samaria. In fact, if he was a good Jew... He would have gone all the way around Samaria just to avoid getting going in that place. And we're talking like, like missing, like adding a couple of days to his journey. Like that's how much they hated these people that they're like, I don't want to go. I hate these people so much. I'm not going to cut through. I'm going to add two or three days to my trips just so I have to avoid looking at a Samaritan. That's a different kind of hate, right? Right? Like, I, I went to L.D. Bell High School, and uh, we weren't big fans of Trinity High School because they kicked our butts in football every year, right? But I would not avoid Ulysses, right, if I was heading, like, to Irving or something, right? This is a new kind of hatred. So, so the fact that 
like that Jesus is even there really is a big deal. I'm not overstating this. Like as a good Jew, uh, he would have never been there in the first place. That's one thing I like about Jesus. He shows up in places that he's not supposed to be. <laughs> I like that about Jesus. Secondly, the second thing that I want us to kind of pay attention to is that the, the text says that she was there at 12 o'clock. She was there at noon, right? She's drawing water at noon. And so this is a big deal because historically it made no sense for her to be there either, right? Like, um, and, and, and I'm going to say this in, the, this in this, I don't believe this personally. I don't believe in these things. But, but at this time, women didn't have a lot of rights, and so, um, for example, women were kind of socially um, cut off. And so, like, the fact, well, how do I explain this a good way? Um, basically, historically, she would have either been there early in the morning to draw water or late in the evening to draw water. And the reason for that was because women were socially isolated. And so they didn't really get out of the house. They didn't really get to see anybody. Like even last week when I talked about, remember when I talked about the Feast of the Tabernacles and there's this big festival and this big party that everybody was at? If you notice in the scriptures, it said all of the men went to the feast. All the women were hanging out back home. It's a little sexist, right guys? Right? All women here are like, I wouldn't stand for that. Or would you? I don't know. Maybe you, I don't know. Right? And so um, the reason why this is important is because women were socially isolated, so they didn't really see anybody. They never got to get out of the house. And so they would take this time early mornings or in the evening, and all of the women would go to the watering hole. They'd go to the well. They would draw from the well, and this would be their opportunity to hang out and talk to each other, to socialize, to gossip, do whatever they wanted to do, right? Do, do whatever they wanted to do. Um, and so it's important that we note that this woman isn't there at that time. Because she was avoiding that time. So she, she wasn't going in the morning or in the evenings when all the other ladies would be there. For some reason, she was there at noon. And, and, and this is a big deal because it makes no sense. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Why is she there at this time and this place? Why, is she, why does she want to avoid all of the other women of the town? What's, what's going on? And so we don't, we don't know exactly why yet, but what we do know is that there's two people at that well at that time that shouldn't have been there, Jesus and this woman. And we know that there's something going on with this woman that's not quite right. Like, why is she here? So, she, so she showed, Jesus shows up at the well. He sees the woman. He says, I'm thirsty. Could you give me a drink? And she responds, she says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So she's confused too, right? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask of him, and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Uh, you're not great in our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. So Jesus says this thing again that's kind of odd. He basically, and, and it almost sounds a little bit arrogant, right? He stands up and he says, if, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for some water. And then she responds to him in a I, I relate to this. I resonate with this because this is exactly, I'm kind of a sarcastic person. And I love the way she responds because what she says is, Hey, dude, you don't even have a bucket. <laughs> and you see how deep that well is? Where do you think you're going to get this living water you're talking about? 
but she's interested, if nothing else. And so she's keeping this conversation on. And what she's, the thing is, is that she's, Jesus mentions, he says, I have this living water for you. And here's what's, here's what's interesting about this living water, is that living water was a big deal. Like, Jesus isn't just talking about uh, any kind of water. He's re- referencing living water. And, and as they're talking about, let me just look at this. The reason he references living water is because living water was precious. And living water was sacred. And the reason living water was precious and sacred is because living water was different than normal water. Living water is a reference to streams. Living water was a reference to um, basically moving water. Does that make sense? So like, and living water was what they would use for special ceremonies and special purposes. And so Jesus is referencing uh, this, this bigger than regular water. This living water is water that they wouldn't even have had around there. Like there was no living water in Samaria. They, they didn't have this there. And so she's looking at Jesus and she's saying, this, this living water that you have, I'm interested in that. Uh, the fact that Jesus is bringing up this living water is very attractive to her because living water was fresh, it was safe. Living water was a stream. Living water was a river. Living water was a spring. Like last week when we talked about the special ceremony where the priest went down and he drew from the water to, and they brought it back up. If you notice where they talked about what he drew from was a spring because spring was, a spring was living water. This living water was sacred. And so Jesus walks up to her and he says, I, if you knew who I was, you knew who was standing in front of you, you would ask me for water. Because what I have is living water. And, and to her, to us, we know that because we live in the context that we live in, the time we live in, we recognize as living water something special. But she really knew it was special because living water was something that was sacred in their time. And, and she's looking at Jesus and this is attractive and she's thinking, do you even do you know where this living water is? Can you take me to it? So even though Jesus doesn't have a bucket, right, and the well's deep, she's looking and she's attracted to this. She's thinking, who is this guy that knows about this living water? Where can I get this living water? So Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. So Jesus is just saying crazy things now. <laughs> he said, I have this living water. She's thinking of this physical, like a river or a spring. And he's saying, I have this living water that if you drink it, it's going to well up within you. And it's going to do something in you. And it's going to make you a place of living water. What the heck, Jesus? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? What he's doing is Jesus is using the physical as a metaphor for the spiritual. And we, we recognize that now, right? Jesus is saying, I have this living water that I have to offer you. And what he's really talking about is he has, he's saying, I have living water that is salvation. I have this living water that will save your soul. And I have this living water that will come inside of you and transform you from the inside out. He's saying, I have this living water that's bigger and better than anything you could possibly think of or imagine. And so she, she hears this living water that he's talking about, this living water that will transform her from the inside out. And she says, verse 15, Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water. She wants it. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water anymore. 
So Jesus says, okay, you, you want this water. I want you to have this water. I want to give you this water. But he takes this really strange left turn that sounds really mean, honestly. But it's actually really good. Verse 16, he says, go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. So he says, you want this water? Go get your husband and come back. I'll give this water to you. 17, I don't have a husband, she answered. You have answered correctly. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. What are you doing, Jesus? Like, you're offering this girl salvation. You're, you're staying, saying, I have this thing for you that's attractive and good and will save your soul and it will transform you from the inside out. And she says, I want it, right? If you're a good evangelist or a good preacher, this is time the band comes on, up on the stage, you do the altar call and people get saved. But that's not what Jesus does. What Jesus does is he says, I know exactly who you are. Let's talk about it. Now, you may be different than me, but if I'm talking to some guy and he's offering me anything, right? If, I mean, if a salesman comes up to my door and he's like, hey, I have this great product for you to buy or whatever, I say I'm interested. And then he starts rattling off all of my deepest, darkest secrets that only he knows. That conversation ends right there, right? We're shutting the door. I'm calling the police. Some guy's spying on me. Like, at, at the very best. Like at the worst, I'm like fighting him. Like punch him in the throat, right? I'm not a good fighter, so I'm like a throat punch kind of guy. <laughs> Something punch and run. But what, what is Jesus doing? One, Jesus just revealed to us why that woman's at that well at the time she is. She's a social outcast. She's been married five times. She's living with a dude. Um... <laughs> I mean, things just aren't going well for this woman. And, and, and here's the thing that's interesting about this story is that women in that time weren't even allowed to get a divorce. Right? You talk about some more just sex. It was a bad time to be a woman right then. They weren't even allowed to get a divorce. So the fact that she's been divorced five times and now she's living with a guy? Oh, my gosh. And Jesus points straight to her and he says, I know exactly who you are. Right, like so, like, the, and, and the town would have known her. Is like, this is church, so I'm going to be really careful. She's like the town hussy, guys. Some people even think she's a prostitute. Like, she's the woman of ill repute, and the reason why she wasn't there probably in the morning or in the evening because if the other woman saw, like, oh, I saw you trying to flirt with my husband. I saw you talking to my husband. Right. Nobody likes her. She's the town trash. She's good for nothing. She's worthless in the eyes of the town. And so the reason why she's there at 12 o'clock drawing water from the well instead of with all the other women is because she wants to avoid everyone. She doesn't want anyone to see her. She doesn't want anyone to speak to her. She wants to be hidden in the darkness away from everyone. And Jesus brings this up and says, I know exactly who you are. And so in our minds, like, again, like, if this is me, I'm thinking, like, Jesus, get out of there, man. Don't you know who this is? This one, dude, prostitute, hussy. Jesus, she's going to try to get you in a spell, man. Get out of there, bro. She's going to tempt you. Temptress, run, hide, get out of there, right? Don't be alone at the well with this woman. Don't you know who she is, Jesus? 
And Jesus says, I know exactly who she is. And if we remember, like, Jesus chose to go to that well at that time. And if you notice, he talked to her. He knows who she is, and he's not scared. As a matter of fact, he loves her deeply. And he wants to see her saved. And he wants to offer her hope. And he wants to offer her life. And he wants to see her transformed. And so Jesus isn't scared of the woman at the well. As a matter matter of fact, Jesus is there because of the woman at the well. And so why did Jesus bring that up? He didn't bring it up to shame her. He didn't bring it up to admonish her. He didn't bring it up to condemn her. He He didn't bring this up to say, I know who you are, you skank, right? He brought it up because he said he wanted her to know, I know who you are, and I'm here for you, and I love you, and now we're going to press on this, and we're going to talk about it. And it's because Jesus, the beautiful and also incredibly painful about Jesus thing about Jesus is that Jesus always goes for the heart. And so he says, we're going to, you want this living water? You want this salvation? Well, here's this thing that is a huge, huge, huge roadblock for you to get there. And so instead of just giving you some pretty little saying and making you feel better, we're going to talk about the roadblock and we're going to press on the roadblock and we're going to deal with the roadblock. And he does that because he loves her so much. And even though it sounds like the hardest thing, like, why you got to bring that up, man? He does it because he loves her so stinking much. And I love this. He brings it up because he wants her to know that he knows because he wants her to know that he's not like those other guys. He's not that guy that used her and abused her and threw her off to the side like she's trash. He knows exactly who she is and he's standing there to talk to her because he loves her and he cares about her and he wants her to know that he's not just some other guy here at the well asking for a drink of water. He's someone special. So how does she respond, right? Because, again, I, we talked about this. If this is me, I'm slamming the door, running away. Don't you ever talk to me again, you psycho. How does she respond? Because her response is really just as important as what he's saying to her. Like, like these times when Jesus comes and, and he presses on these parts in us that we really don't want him to deal with. Like when he comes to you and he says, Mike, I have this thing that's going on in your heart and it's keeping you from me and it's a roadblock for you and we've got to deal with this thing. How I respond to that is almost just as important as what he's trying to deal with, right? The response is just as important. Here's how she responds. She says, Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, You, and yet you, a Jew, said the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Because salvation is from the Jews. And what is he saying there? Salvation is from the Jews. He's saying God made a promise that he would bring salvation to the world through the lineage of, of the Jewish people. And he is that salvation that's coming through the lineage of the Jewish people. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So so what's happening? First, you notice she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. So through this conversation, she's realizing this guy's more than just your, your normal dude. He's more than just your average guy. But then what she does is she tries to throw up some deflections. 
she throws up this roadblock, and what she's, or this, yeah, she tries to basically change the subject. And what she does is she's saying, I, I'm receiving here that you're more than just some average guy. You're more than just a regular person. You're a prophet. There's something special about you. And so she says, let's talk about this. And what she brings up basically is this long historical argument that the Jewish and Samaritan people had had. Which was basically, are we supposed to worship on this area, or do we worship here? Is the temple supposed to be built here, or is the temple supposed to be built over here? So she's like, if you're this big, smart prophet guy, prove it to me and tell me, solve the problem. Where are we supposed to be? Where are we supposed to be? <laughs> and I love Jesus' Jesus's response, because she's trying to bring up this long historical issue. we got to deal with this. And Jesus responds, and I'm going to break it, you know, put it really simply. Jesus' response is basically... Who cares? <laughs> I don't care about that. <laughs> he responds and says, you worship here, you worship... I don't He says, but there's a time coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. That's what the Father cares about. He says what the, what the Father cares about is not some outward worship or some, some outward religion. I don't give, you worship here or here. I don't care. What the Father cares about is religion that transforms from the inside out. And where worship comes because I'm worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. Truth, I know who he is. I, I know Jesus. I know truth about Jesus. And that's a truth that has come into my life, transformed me from the inside out, and is transforming into a new creation that he is doing. He is making, so I worship him out of that. So Jesus is saying, oh crap, you know, worship here, worship there. What I care about is religion that transforms from the inside out and you worship me because you know me and you love me and you have a relationship with me. And I love that about Jesus, again, because I'm the guy that does the same thing. Jesus is going, Mike, let's, let's talk about this here. We need to deal with this. I'm like, oh yeah, what about this over here, Jesus? And he goes, I don't care about that. Let's talk about this. I'm pressing on this. I want to deal with this. Jesus is really cool. <laughs> so she tries to deflect. Jesus pushes right past it. And then suddenly, she gets it. Like it was that last thing. It just clicks. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that a Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And so what she's saying is, I know there's supposed to be this guy coming. There's this guy that we're looking for. He's the Messiah. He's the, the Christ. He's the savior of the world. He's supposed to be coming. It's almost like she's asking, anticipating, like, are, is this you? Or, or what, what, there's this Messiah coming. And just like last week when Jesus stands up and says, I'm the one you're looking for, Jesus responds directly to her. And he says, 26, I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. Oh my gosh. Like just, can you imagine that moment? This woman standing here talking to Jesus and he, they're just having this conversation. At the end of the conversation, he tells her, I'm the savior of the world. I don't know what would be more surprising if it's the fact that the savior of the world is standing right in front of her telling her, I'm here. Salvation is here. This is God here standing in front of you. Or that he did it to her. Like, she knows who she is. She's this person that the town hates, that, that is considered trash, that is worthless, that's good for, good for nothing, right? 
And Jesus walks in Samaria and almost goes, you, and reveals himself directly to her. He didn't go find the religious, great, awesome religious person. He walked into the woman that the town considered trash and said, the Savior is here, salvation is here, and I'm here for you. I love Jesus, man. Because only he does that, right? Like me, I'm looking for the most influential person, the person that everyone's going to be like, listen to and want to, oh, oh, you know, Jesus revealed himself to you, so I believe it. No, Jesus walks in and finds what the world considers trash and says, I'm here, I love you, let me give you salvation, let me reveal myself to you. He's so awesome, (laughs) y'all. I love that, man. I just, I'm reading this, and whenever I was studying this for this week, I'm like in my office just worshiping because I love that about Jesus. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful picture of who our Savior is. That that's who he reveals himself to, and that's how he reveals himself. He walks up at this woman. He starts talking to her. He says, I have hope. I have life for you. I have this water that will transform your life. And he says, I know exactly who you are. But I'm the Savior and I'm here for you. I love that, man. So what do, what, what do we take from this? Like, what do we, as we walk away and as we just kind of begin this series on the woman of the well, what do we take from this? There's a few, there's a few things I want to challenge you with on this. The first, the first thing really is that if, if you notice this, remember this, is that she continued to pursue Jesus when everyone else, myself included, is like out the door. Like, Jesus walks up to her and he's offering this living water and then he reveals to her all of these secret dark sins about herself. And she, remember this, she chose to continue the conversation. When he's pushing in and talking about her dirt and her hidden secrets, she doesn't leave. As a matter of fact, even though she kind of changes the subject, she continues to push into him. Remember, she spoke next. She asked the question next. She pushed in when everyone else, myself included, would be leaving. And so I want to challenge you, when Jesus pushes in, when he begins to reveal and press in on your life and say, we got to work on this, we need to deal with this, you have this, it's keeping you from me, don't run away. As a matter of fact, don't just not run away, push back in to Jesus. Push back into him. Because here's what happens if you do. If, if you notice this, and, and it's for our good, but if we pay attention, she continues to, to push back in, and you see Jesus slowly reveal himself to her, and she begin to figure out who he is, and she figures it out. I love this, and this is kind of like a side note that maybe only like weirdos like myself enjoy, but if you pay attention to this, watch how she refers to Jesus. When they first meet, he walks up, asks her for a drink of water, she says, how is it that you, a Jew, talk to me? Almost disrespectfully, why are you a you Jew? Why are you talking to me? And then she says, sir, sir, give me this water. So she goes from a Jew to sir, which is a respectful term. A Jew, a sir, then she says, you're a prophet. And then she continues to push in and she says, you're the Messiah. A Jew, sir, prophet, Messiah. And what happens is she continues to press in. Jesus continues to reveal exactly who he is. And so we learn from that. When Jesus presses in on us, even though, man, it hurts sometimes. Because I don't like to change. Who likes to change? Who likes to be challenged? Not this guy. Just make it easy and just, right? 
But Jesus loves you too much to not press and not challenge. And so as Jesus presses in on you and says, I want to deal with this, press right back in because the beautiful thing happens. As you press into him, he reveals himself to you. And you know him more deeply and intimately. It's a beautiful thing. And then check this out, verse 27. As we continue to press into Jesus, verse 27. Just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed. They said they were amazed that he was talking to a woman. Right? And they were amazed that he was talking to a woman. Like, it's not that because Jesus was like a nerd and was afraid to talk to women. It was because it was really weird that a single man was talking to a woman. It's kind of forbidden. All right. Again, Jesus like breaking rules. Love the guy. Like, we're not supposed to have church in the movie theater. Forget that. We're doing it. <laughs> then the woman, so, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking to a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? So they're, they're, they're like questioning him, but they're not brave enough to bring it up, right? Chickens. It says, 28, then the woman left her water jar and went into the town and told the men, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? We're going to talk more about this in verse 3, but I think it's important to point out that she goes from, or we're going to talk more about this in week 3, but it's important to point out that she began as this woman who's hiding out from their town. She meets Jesus, and she ends up as this woman who's literally running into the town, grabbing people and saying, you've got to come meet this Jesus. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful, y'all. That's poetic. And so what we see is a woman who meets Jesus, sees her life transformed, and then sees her life used by Jesus. Because check this out. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? It says they left the town and made their way to him. And then it says, and many believed because of her testimony. People got saved, y'all, because of her testimony. I love that. Ben, you guys come on up. We're going to kind of close this out. So as we, as we sum this up and kind of just really just begin to get into this story of the woman at the well, I want us to do two things. And you'll notice we did this last week, and this is really just how we're going to end most weeks because this is something I really believe in, is, is I really believe in worshiping God for his truth. And so I want you guys to stand with us as the band just kind of gets ready and begins to play. What I want us to do this morning is I want us to worship Father. I want us to worship the Father because of this. Because Jesus comes and he offers life. He walked up to this woman at the well and he says, I have something to offer you and it's life and it will transform you from the inside out. He offers salvation. He offers hope. He offers life. And then secondly, I want us to worship him together for this. The second thing we learn is because he pushes in even when it hurts. And he pursues even when it hurts, and even when it's uncomfortable, and even when he's like bringing up our deepest, deepest, darkest secrets that we don't want anyone else to know, he continues to, to push in and pursue. And I love that because what happens in the end is he reveals himself to us. And then he takes our lives and he uses our lives. And so this morning as we kind of end this service, I want us to worship him for that reason. Because he's a, a God that comes and he offers life, and he offers hope. He's, an offer that put, he's a God that pushes in when we don't want him to push, but it's for our good. And then he's a God that uses our lives to impact 
hopefully Fort Worth, DFW, all these people around us, right? As we plant the river and watch the river and grow from here. We want to be used by Him. And so I want us to worship Him together. And then um, I want to do this too. We have some guys that are going to come and they're going to be just available for you to pray with. So if you want somebody to pray with you this morning, maybe maybe this speaks to you. Maybe, maybe you know, in a way, like God is pushing in on you and He's pressing you and He's challenging you and it's hurting a little bit, but... But he's doing that. I want to challenge you. We have these guys that we have the little the badges on. They're here to, to pray with you if you would, would like, and they would they would love to do that. Just counsel you and really just show you the next step. And so that's available for you as well. So let's worship him for his goodness and kindness.